Hello and welcome to Help With Addiction. My name's Jason Newland. Please only listen when you can safely close your eyes. So, um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. So this is the second out of the original recordings for this podcast. There are other recordings on the podcast that are from the past. Things that I've recorded, I'll give you an example actually, just in case you you don't know. In case you don't know. Let's have a look. Right. So I did the, the first recording a few days ago. And now there's 38 recordings on the podcast now the first recording was intro which was 49 minutes long and and then I started thinking well addiction it's not you know it's not just drugs is it it's alcohol it's smoking it's it could be hair pulling it could be um, overeating it could be gambling you know it's lots of different things so when I started the podcast, I was really focusing on drugs, if I'm honest. But I will, I'm going to expand. And so I've included some stop smoking sessions. And uh, what else? A couple of hypnosis for addiction recordings that I made in 2016. So... I don't know what they're like. It's a long time ago. Uh, I've got uh, some requested recordings I've done over the years. 2015, No More Cutting. So that's for self-harm. And there's uh, another one, Relax number 209, Relaxing, Relaxation Hypnosis for Stress. Uh, victim Mentality Emotional Abuse. So I'm not... Again, I'm not really sure. I don't know what um, what I talked about in that one because it's a uh, 2020. I kind of I forget what I've talked about in my recordings, to be honest with you. But some of these, there's you deserve to feel safe, hypnosis for abuse, domestic violence, and bullying. This is uh, 31 minutes long. Another one, it's an hour and 17 minutes long, hypnosis for abuse. Uh, another request, help with overeating and binge eating. And there's a request, another one, let me bore your trichotillomania, hair pulling away. And then I've got some other stuff, things like anger reduction, uh, practical exercise to help to deal with panic attacks. Because uh, I know anxiety and panic attacks can very much be a part of uh, addiction uh, whether it's during or you know afterwards you know when when we try and stop to do something to move on from it or sometimes just because the anxiety comes in kind of almost feels like it's trying to force us to do something that we don't want to do anymore and 
So I've got reduced anger do you feel towards someone so we can have anger issues, people and so anxiety, things like that, binge eating and drinking. That was a request. Uh, shaking off bad feelings from the past. Uh, to do hypnosis, fear of feeling nauseous or vomiting. That was a request. Uh, stop now biting. There's two different ones for that. One's an hour long and one's 33 minutes long. There's another hypnosis for binge eating and drinking from 2015. So that was a different one to the one I mentioned. Uh, becoming more confident. Don't allow fear and anxiety to affect your sleep. Uh, there's a hypnosis for OCD. And uh, another request, which was sexuality is not a choice, it's a gift. You could say maybe that's not really applicable for addiction and stuff, but um, if someone is someone grows up and they're not able to be themselves to be their own sexual self whether it's uh, whatever it may be then that suppression could lead to alcohol or drugs or some kind of addiction behavior because ultimately person's not being themselves and not allowing themselves to be happy for whatever reason uh, it might be societal it might be family it might be just because of their religion it could be any all kinds of different reasons sometimes you know a person may live the whole life up to the age of 40 or 50 feeling trapped unable to express themselves maybe uh, might be a man who all he really wants to do is dress in what would be classed I guess as women's clothes that's what he wants to do he just wants to be free to do that and although in this society generally people are free to do that but no one's free to do it without judgment people get judged it's, it's just one of those things unless you're in a society within a group where people are all like-minded it's uh, hard to do anything without being judged really I mean just walk down a street with a blue hair someone's going to judge it's just the way it is but if that person can push through that and they don't have to go out dressed like that if they do it in their own time and spend and just self-acceptance isn't it really I guess self-acceptance can transform a person's life like completely you know being able to wake up in the morning and know who you are and accept who you are and know that it's no one else's business how you dress when you're in the privacy of your own home know that you can you have the ability to express your you know how express yourself in that way and there are places where you can do that so you know that's that's 
the whole subject is so wide and deep it's almost uh, it's a never ending really so just to also let you know that I'm I used to be a counsellor I studied for three years at university got a degree and I don't do counselling anymore I didn't specify in any type of counselling it was just general counselling I tended to mainly see clients for depression um, and other you know things connected to that to to that but there's lots of different things people came for sometimes bereavement and a limitless amount of different things I had a couple of clients came because of sexuality issues I don't think I had anyone come for drug issues but I did have uh, a young man come for he was had problems with online porn so he was addicted to that so you know there's lots of different things that I've uh, experienced over the years but I don't do that anymore I basically just make podcasts now for free just to try and help people I've done that since 2016 and will continue so I know this is quite a long introduction but that's what I do I just I'm in no hurry to be honest with you you could just fast forward to the to the bits, you know. If you if you decide to listen to this recording again, you could fast forward to the part where now I start talking about the thing I'm going to talk about, uh, and just let you know that Vinny is a part of this recording. He's underneath the desk, eating a bone. Uh, if you can hear that or not. So he's pressed up against me and he's eating a bone and he's a very happy little doggy right now. He doesn't like it usually when I make a recording because I don't know why it annoys him because I'm talking and I'm not maybe not giving him attention even though he doesn't generally want my attention. But as long as he's got something to do, he's okay. So... It's two things, two main things that I wanted to talk about. And I'm only going to talk about one of them in this recording. And yeah, one of the main things is friends. Friends. And I'm using the term, I'm using the term very loosely. Because, you know, what is a friend? And that's something that I'm going to kind of look at. Now, my experience of being around uh, regular drug users, like serious heavy drugs, is I've seen people sit in the same room as each other and there'd be like maybe four or five people and some of those people really dislike each other 
but they will sit in there because it's well I'm, I'm going to use the word safe a safe place it's a place where they can smoke or do whatever else they're going to be doing knowing that no one else is going to come in generally which is not a good environment because I mean especially if someone's just taken some heroin or injected themselves they're at the most vulnerable they could ever be they could be taken advantage of in all kinds of ways that they'd be able to do nothing about because they're basically just sitting or lying there if they're not unconscious, they're just unable to really do anything for a while. Now, I've never seen anyone be taken advantage of. I wouldn't stand and I wouldn't, you know, just stand around and watch that anyway. But I've always tried to keep away from people that were doing that because I didn't like seeing it. I didn't like, not the, the injecting stuff. I never... I never done it myself and I didn't like seeing other people do it because I don't know having um, seen four at least four overdoses uh, it's it's just such an unpleasant thing to see that I just um, I just don't want it I just didn't didn't want to be around it didn't want to be around that it got to the point in the last few years so I just didn't want to be around any of it I didn't want anything to do with that side of uh, of life you know it never really was my life I mean I've done stuff in the past but I was never I've always I was always a private person always solitary uh, whatever I did whether it was drinking or anything else it's always most of the time it's just been solitary you know, just something I do on my own. We know what solitary is, Joyce. I know, but it's not really into the group, the group thing. So, friends. I mean, I, I've got this. It's not my theory, but it is a belief that if you want to stop taking drugs or drinking alcohol or whatever it is you need to keep away from it it's a lot harder with alcohol I know because it's being sold you know and it's advertised on TV and it's just it's got to be the hardest thing ever to get away from because it's just around it's the most normal thing in the world for people to have drinks at Christmas and at birthdays and celebrations and it's just it's very difficult and it's I mean it's really so easy to get as well you know you haven't got to make a phone call it's not like crack where you've got to make a phone call and just you know what I mean like almost clandestine clandestine you know very secretive sort of um interaction and whatever I mean I don't know I don't don't really do that stuff but it's alcohol you can just go into a shop and buy it 
you can just go you can even get it delivered now uber eats or whatever they deliver it you can even get it delivered at night in the middle of the night i don't know what service does that but there is a service that does that locally where you can get alcohol delivered so it's like there's nothing stopping someone from being able to get it it's just so freely available it's 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 only turning on your tap for water it's it's like it's not quite as easy as the tap as a tap but it's so easy to get so that's something that i i understand like keeping away from it is very very difficult but keeping away from other people that have alcohol dependency issues is technically the first thing I would say to do keep away the problem with that is if you end up going to an AA meeting or you end up going to some kind of self-help group you're going to be around people with addiction issues so it's kind of you know the AA it does work it can work really well for a lot of people and it has done for many many years but I think the main thing is deciding so I'm going to have to show have a go at my dog now stop it Vinny get down he's trying to get onto the table to nick something that he's seen let's have a cup of tea so yeah yeah you better be you're looking you see you see you've been naughty i caught you i know it's a very uh big statement but you need to keep away let's say as we're talking about drugs let's say talking about drugs keep away from anybody that takes drugs like a blanket ban everybody in that society everybody in that friend group it's very difficult because you might have some or the person who's listened to this or might have some really really close friends but if you want temptation to be away from you and you want to get away from people that will try and take advantage of you try and get your money put you particularly maybe at risk physically and emotionally keep away from them like forever and that's a big ask I know that's a big I mean as I said with technically if you go into a self-help group like AA or NA then you're going to be around people that hopefully are also keeping away from anybody that does anything but maybe goes, goes to the group as support for themselves and for others so it's a difficult one 
but I think sometimes it's the only way is to treat other drug users as um, infectious, not in a good way. So if you knew someone had COVID and they were coughing everywhere, you'd keep away from them. Regardless of whether or not you believe COVID exists, you'd keep away because, you know, don't want to chance it. If someone had the plague, let's, let's go, let's up it a bit. And the plague does still exist in the world. It's not like as popular as it used to be, but, you know, it is still around. Someone with a plague, you would keep away from them. You're like, oh. And if you start thinking about other drug users as people with the plague and then it kind of says, oh I'm going to avoid him like the plague it's an old saying isn't it and yeah be literal with it if you knew that you spent time with someone that parts of your body would start falling off you'd probably not want to spend time with that person in case it happens, you know, if you got, you know, if you really think, oh, well, let's face it, a plague wasn't just parts of the body falling off, it was death, wasn't it? And heroin, I would say, heroin is the plague, you know, hard drugs are kind of like a plague. I mean, you think about it, and I say this and perhaps I shouldn't but if you live somewhere and you know someone that's like you know full on drug addict and you move somewhere new and they're there and you you know don't ever let them into your house think of them like vampires because once you let them in you allow them to come and go as they please with a vampire, the whole thing is you don't let them into your house. You say, no, they can't come in without your permission. But once you give them permission once, they can come in. Coming? They can come in. And the best, the, the, the least harmful thing that will happen is they will ask you for money and not pay it back. If you get involved with them on a more intimate level, it's going to ruin your life. Potentially. Because it's all about them. Because they have to be like that. They need to get the drugs. So if you're wanting to stop taking drugs, but it's, this isn't anti anti-drug addict time I'm not at all I'm just saying you need to be careful because you need to start thinking if you've got drug issues addiction issues and you want to get away from that you need to get away from them people and you need to treat them like vampires or you need to treat them like the plague don't let them anywhere near you if you're able to move to a new place, start a new life and 
become almost like super conservative to keep those people away and don't tell them anything about your past just so they think that you're you know you can reinvent yourself can't you if you're able to do that then that's quite a good opportunity because let's face it why why should we get attached too attached to one individual person when there's seven billion people on the planet why only spend time with people that uh, live their lives to get heroin or crack spend all day out stealing shoplifting just so they can get enough money for crack really can you make enough noise for me blimey And if someone's always after your money, someone's always after something, phone, knock on your door because they want something, are they a friend? They might be, but are they? Once you stop giving, once you stop giving stuff away to people that keep asking, will they keep coming back? I know someone that asks to borrow money. Need every time I see the person, even though that person owes me money, going back nine years. They still ask for money. Sometimes it's not even, can you lend any money? It's like, have you got any money? What do you mean have I got any money? I tested it once and I said, yeah, this was a different person and I had a, I didn't have any any money I just had a money box with some spare change in that was it yeah loose shrapnel they call it just loose change he was happy to take that this person different ones to the one I was talking about I'm not going to name anyone just uh, in fact I might even be making them up who knows I might mix a few people into one, you know, just as an example. But they were willing to take my last bit of change. And can you imagine if, let's say, for example, you just had a friend. Just a normal friend. And they asked to borrow money, okay? Just in a normal lifestyle, you know? Not anything to do with drugs or alcohol or anything like that. Just a normal a, a kind of life that most people live. And that person asked to borrow money. How many times would you expect someone to ask to borrow money during that friendship? So if you're friends with someone for, I don't know, 10 years, would you reckon a couple of times, five, 10 times during that time? Providing they pay it back. I mean, I've got a friend I borrow money off sometimes, but I always pay her back very quickly. And it's never, usually not, not in a huge amount anyway. But if someone borrowed money and didn't pay it back 
you know, bearing in mind, you're just living a normal life, you know, you've got a job, maybe you haven't, maybe you're at college, university, maybe, you know, a parent, and you've got a friend, and they're saying, oh, can you lend me some money? I'll pay it back on this date because, well, that's another thing. Like I'll, I'll go into that in a minute. Um, but, and they didn't pay it back. And then they came back another time and said, can you lend me some money? The normal thing would be, well, you haven't paid me the last time. Oh, I'll pay it, I'll pay it on this day. And then a few weeks later, they, they still haven't paid it back and they come back, have you got, can I borrow some money? So how many normal friendships would continue? How long would it last? How long would it go on for before you would tell that person we might not say anything to them, we just stop being friends with them, basically. In some circumstances, uh, that person would be, the money would be collected from that person in an unpleasant way. Because they owe money and they have to pay it back. You know, that's that could happen. I mean, but how often, how many people would you allow that to, to go through that with? in life would you let people just borrow money not pay them back and then come back for more tell you the date they're going to pay it back and then not pay it back and then come back for more and just keep doing that and then maybe they did pay you back they'll pay you half the amount or they might owe you a hundred pound they'll give you ten pound and they feel good about that and I do wonder if some of these people that borrow money and don't pay it back, they feel like they're doing some kind of service to society because they're borrowing money instead of committing a serious crime to get money. So maybe they're thinking, well, it's a, it's a victimless crime. And then again, I think some people, if they spend all their money on drugs, for example, they're unlikely to have anything. They might, but, you know, someone that just literally is full on drugs, 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 nothing else, they might end up selling everything in order to buy drugs. So they sell their big TV for, you know, 20 quid when a TV might be worth three, four hundred, because they need that drug now, right now. So if they have a friend that's got a TV, there might be jealousy there. They might think, well, they don't need their money because they've got a television. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. It's, Drug addiction turns people into socialists. Is that what it is? We should all share our money. Everyone share. Share your money. You work really hard. Share your money with me. All you've got to do is raise a family and pay car insurance and pay a mortgage and, you know, spend loads of money on your insurance and, you know, feeding your kids and, you know, getting clothes for them and 
all that stuff. I just need some money for drugs. I mean, you know, it makes it makes sense. You don't. I'm more important, surely. So there is a selfish part, I think, involved in that. And it's also worth remembering that when you take drugs or alcohol, your mind is warped. Not just a little of alcohol, but, you know, if you're drunk. But drugs warp the mind. That's what they're for. That's what they do. That's why people take them. Because they make you feel different. And they make us think different. And they don't just seem to warp the mind temporarily. The more people do it, the more their mind seems to be... I guess it's just retrained. It's the whole brain plasticity is, you know, we, we become what we think about. You know, if someone's focusing all the time on getting drugs, then that's all they're focusing on and all they want to do is get high, then that's their life. And nothing else they do is as important as that, potentially. And having friends... Oh, here's the thing. If someone is, I, I like this rule of thumb. I like the idea idea of having like a, a very black and white thinking in certain times. Don't lend money to anyone. Would be a blanket statement, which would be something to stick to. Don't lend money to anyone. Unless, there's a, there's always an unless, you know, a family member that's in trouble or someone, a really close friend that, that doesn't take drugs needs your help. Don't lend money to anybody. Ever. I'd also say write off whatever anyone owes you. Someone owes you money. Just underlie it. Underlie it? Underline it. Just say, bang, gone. Uh, never mind. It's not worth the hassle. I don't need that person in my life anymore. So they might owe you £100 or £50 or £200. But it's worth paying that amount of money to get them out of your life. So just move on. And if someone just wants to be around you so they can get your money. And some some people will just be around you just so they can do drugs with you. And they might be the one that buys the stuff for you. So you'll get half the amount. Not only will you get a bad deal possibly but they will expect to smoke it with you or to take it with you so you're paying for their drugs as well as them making a profit on the amount of money that you gave them is that a friend I'll make, make my own mind up for that one is that a friend and then what do they do when you are drugged up do they take advantage do they get money off you or worse so is that a friend I don't know
I mean, I've done some silly things when I've been drunk, but generally just on my own, because I said solitary drinker. Got in trouble a couple of times at work dues, saying the wrong thing, as you do. But I'm a lightweight. I've never been very good at anything. I've not, never been able to take a huge amount of anything without feeling ill. Which is kind of lucky, I guess, in some ways. Um, but always thought it was a little bit sad, to be honest. But if you have someone come up to you and say, "Oh," and they give you too much information, "Oh, this the this happened and that happened and la 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 la," and it just goes on and on and on and on and on, and then at the end of it, say, "Oh, I need some money," then. It's not definite. It's not definitely bullshit, but it's very likely to be bullshit. Do they just saying all this stuff because they want money? It's not definite. I mean, it might be true. But it reminds me of there was this bloke in town. This is years ago. He used to stop people, and he stopped me a couple of times. And I've had it a few times with different people, same kind of thing, where they just stop me and say hi. Um, this thing happened and I got stuck in this other town and then I had to get to a different town and I didn't have my coat and my mum is now with my auntie uh, waiting at this place because I don't know where I am and my phone credits run out and uh, my leg fell off and the moon fell out of the sky because uh, I kicked it, that's why my leg fell off, because I tried to kick the moon away, and then um, the angels and fairies started flying around, and I decided to have a game of golf with them, and that didn't work out very well, because they're really good at golf, no one tells you that in a fairy tale today, and, and every member of my family is now, uh, I need to get to them, because they're in different places all around the world that I need to get to and um, my my brother has uh, lost his wig he's lost his wig and I need to get him another wig and I was thinking about trying to get a taxi to the wig shop but unfortunately the wig shop is in another country so the taxi fare is going to be really expensive and uh, but he won't go out without the wig because he's uh, self-conscious about his freckly head and um, so uh, have you got £10 I can borrow it's like what just, just in some ways some of the stories are so so good I mean, so ridiculous, but also anyone that can stand in front of a complete stranger in the street and with a straight face come out with that much crap almost deserves to get rewarded financially. It's all like, okay, there you go, there's a tip. It's it's almost like uh, uh, street theatre, I guess, like in Covent Garden or in London, I don't know if they still do it there. I mean, I had one of my friend's friends, 
I say friends, friends, because they were never my friends, they were his friends, but they used to come up to me and try and get money out of me. I had one of them once come up and said, oh, it's my turn now. I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, everyone else has already been up here to borrow money off you, it's my turn. It's like, well, really? Wow. Um, I sh that should have been a little clue, shouldn't it? This is like eight years ago, I should have... I've been super dumb. I was super dumb for a long time. But part of the reason is when I moved here, I wanted to be a decent person. I wanted to kind of reinvent myself, you know, be a bit nicer, be a bit more, um, I don't know, neighborly, because I've never been neighborly. I've always kept myself to myself and I've never really enjoyed having neighbors, so I don't really like them. So this was me trying to just be a bit friendlier and trying to help people if I could. And I got took advantage of for nine years. But that's just the way it is. I allowed it sometimes. But as I kind of reflect upon it, uh, how many of those friends were my friends? They were his friends. How many of those were actually saw me as being a friend? Because if I was just someone that they got stuff off, you know? But anyway, New Year's Day. This is New Year's Day, probably about six years ago. One of my friend's friends came up. And he started going on. And just like one of these stories. I've got to get to the hospital. Um, oh, yeah. I've got to get... Uh, I've got to get the bus to town. I said, there are no buses. It's New Year's Day. There are no buses on New Year's Day. He said, well, I need to get a taxi then. Can I, lend, can I borrow £10? I did give him £10. But I said, you ain't going to get nowhere for £10. £10 not enough to get a taxi. He said, oh, it's all right. And then he went downstairs and I saw that he was with another person who basically wanted to, well, they were going to spend the £10 on some drugs, basically. And that's all they could get out of me. So they probably went around to another neighbours and another neighbours and to see how much they could get together. But they were doing a service to society because they weren't going out committing a crime. No victims. And I remember another time I went downstairs to my friend. And I was very close to him. We were good friends. And uh, I was given a voucher from... Iceland I'd basically uh, I'd, I'd, I'd accrued all these points and they gave me I think a 25 pound voucher to spend on food so it was his birthday and I gave that to him as a birthday present okay you could say it's a crappy birthday present because I didn't pay for it but I did pay for it with all the money I spent in Iceland supermarket you know over the years so 
you know, and it was uh, it was worth twenty five pound of food. So I gave that to him and said, "Happy birthday!" I ain't got no money, but there you go. One of his friends was sitting in the opposite chair. The first thing he said, "I wonder how much we can get for that." I, I said, "What?" And he was like, "What's well, nothing to do with you? Don't you? No, which no, has nothing to do with me? I'm just giving it to him." And my friend said, "No, no, I'm using it to buy food." But his friend was like, "No, we could, we could get. We could, how much could we get? Get for that twenty-five pound voucher? Uh, I'm sure someone would give us like fifteen quid or ten quid for it." And I just thought the mentality—that's a, a mentality that I don't understand. I mean, that would be the equivalent of. Well, no, not really. I mean, I've, I know people have done this, but buying something on credit for two hundred pound, and then selling it, selling it for fifty pound, so that you can get the cash. So you have that fifty pound, but you still have to pay the two hundred pound back for the to the thing that you just bought. You know, at a later date. I did know a couple of people who did that when I was younger and they didn't really get that it was a false economy but you know I guess sometimes they needed money and it's just a way of doing it but it's that kind of mentality of like well because it was free as well so I'd given it to him for free he wasn't going to use it for that he was going to go and my friend was going to buy shopping which is what it was for but his friend, like straight away, oh, what can we get? And it was a real, I don't understand that thinking. And I, I try to understand it, I try to get my head around it. But is that a friend? I mean, that's the whole point of this, this recording is friend. What is a friend? Now, I've never generally been a very good friend to anyone until my friend downstairs and I was I would say I was a good friend to him but before that yeah I'm not no I wouldn't say I've been a particularly good friend to anyone I had friends come and go and I didn't really care people come people go that's been my attitude when I moved here I made more of an effort I wanted to be because I used to take stuff not not money or anything but I used to let other people help me and uh, perhaps didn't do too much in response to pay back their kindness you know when I was younger so I thought well I want to I'm going to change that I want to make make up for that in a way and be a bit more generous a bit more kinder a bit more there you know for the person and I did that with my friend and I tried to do it with some of the people around here and it, the, I've, I think I've been perceived as, well, I've been told I've been perceived as soft and weak because of it. And people just basically think I'm a mug and I'm someone that they can just ask and ask and ask and ask and continuously ask for stuff. And 
I wonder if you're in a similar position where people are asking and asking and asking, or maybe you're in a position where you're the one doing the asking. And what does that feel like? What does it feel like to be, to live that kind of life where you're always asking for stuff? Because all you're thinking about is the next hit. Wouldn't you want that to change? I mean, it's something... I've, I've never been a big fan of being dependent upon a person. You know, I had a little taste of that when I was... I had this little job. And I was homeless, so I had this job where I was looking after this little kid. And all I did was... Um, take her to school and collect her the next day. Uh, take her to school, bring her back. And for that, I was allowed to sleep on the floor in the living room. And they gave me food. But I had no job, no money. And I couldn't do anything. I, I couldn't even buy a Mars bar. I literally just didn't have anything. And so reliant on another person. And I, I learned very early, like, nah, this is not for me. I'd rather work in a job I don't like than be sitting around waiting for someone else to, to to tell me whether or not I can have a packet of biscuits. I have to ask. I don't like to ask. I like to just get what I want and not have anyone's permission. It's like, as long as it's legal, it doesn't matter, does it? So I've reevaluated my the kind of friend I've been. I've never been the kind of friend that has leached the whole time. And I'd never want to be that type of person. But it turns out I became the type of person that could be leached off or off of. I'm a leech attractor. <laughs> I think that maybe you can call it that. And I find that strange because that's not who I was. And I do think that way in a sense of people that are leeches, that leech off other people, that's not how they were. That's not who they were either. Someone that might be willing to do anything just to get, you know, a rock of crack. They've not always been like that. There was a time when they wouldn't do anything for that. They wouldn't even consider it. They wouldn't even consider doing it or smoking it. Trying to remember how we used to be, it's not always easy. And it's not necessarily... It's not easy to go back but maybe sometimes we need to need to get in touch with by going back before we can go forward to address now and say no more I mean these are just ideas floating in my head it might be completely pointless it might be useless and I'm I'm aware that that might be the case. 
because I'm no expert on anything, but I've spent the last nine years seeing that environment and and just witnessing with my own eyes um, how devastating it is to the people involved. There's nothing good about it. All for a feeling. All for a feeling. Or someone say all to get rid of a feeling. Well, there's ways of getting rid of feelings without drugs. There's ways of changing how you feel without alcohol. It just means you're going to feel different. There's no reason to feel um, elated unless something amazing is happening. That's a weird statement, but if you think about it, it makes sense. If you're sitting watching television, why would you expect to feel absolutely on top of the world? Uh, you know, someone's just smoked some crack, they're going to feel wow, and it might be the best feeling they have. But they're watching television. They're watching the Antique Roadshow. Or they're sitting talking to someone about the weather. There's no reason, there's no logical reason to feel that way when you're watching television. It's not natural. Or when you're talking about the weather with a friend, it's not natural to be buzzing off your head, feeling amazing. It's not the right time. And maybe starting to expect to feel that way at the most most pointless times. You know, those feelings of ecstasy. How many of those would a human being get in their life? I mean, realistically, like the feeling of absolute wonder, like something's just the most amazing thing that's ever happened. Maybe when you see a child for the first time. Perhaps when someone tells you that they love you for the first time in the relationship. First kiss. It could be um, passing a driving test. Moving into your first home. Getting exam results that were really good getting into the university that you want finding out that you're, you're giving the all clear or that someone close to you is going to be okay and they've survived a situation of course that will be mixed with relief as well So I would argue that that feeling of absolute bliss is rare. And it's rare for a reason because it's, it's supposed to be rare. We can feel good. We can feel really good about life and about the future and about what we're doing. But that super, super high 
that's not normal. It's not a normal way to be. And there's no reason to expect it. Of course, you can force it by taking substances. But then you're out of kilter with the rest of the world. Apart from those you're around if they're doing it as well. When I remember I used to get stoned before going shopping. Food shopping. And I realised after a couple of times it's the most stupid thing to do. Because I'd come home with just cakes and chocolate and no food. No food that I could cook. Uh, nothing. It's just a bunch of rubbish. Which I really enjoyed eating. But just, you know, as an aside. No actual food. So I decided to not do that because... Going shopping when you're hungry is not a good idea. In the same way, do you ever watch a, a pizza advert or McDonald's advert after you've had a big meal? And it, it's like, ugh, no thanks. But you watch it when you're hungry, it's like, oh, dribbling everywhere. Maybe not dribbling, but you know, it's a different reaction. So when you don't need something, you don't want it. When you don't need something, you don't want it. And none of us need to take drugs. I mean, addiction, you may need to take them so that you don't feel ill and all that stuff and withdrawal symptoms, those kinds of things. It's never the solution though, is it? And most people that take cocaine, for example, they just do it as just recreational. Most people that smoke weed, recreational. Uh, probably, maybe most people that do crack, recreational, I don't know. I don't know what the odds are on that one. I've never been in a, really been in the social place until where people were smoking crack before until the last few years when I kind of experienced it a little bit but I just don't know it's not really something that um, I've seen I've been in nightclubs where people had cocaine and it was almost didn't seem any different from having a drink in a way and because everyone was doing it in the group there was no judgement and there was no um it's almost like it was okay. But it was like one line, if you're lucky. <laughs> I wanted more, but one line. And I, can't, I couldn't really see the point in just doing one, to be honest, at the time. But it was, it was, it felt nice to be included in something, I guess, at the time. And just like, oh, okay. I keep saying it at the time, don't I? What is a friend? Someone that drags you down. Is that a friend? Someone that wants you to stay 
in the place you are. So if you, let's say, you're in a really bad place, you're miserable, you're doing something that you perhaps don't want to do anymore, living a lifestyle that you don't want, you're around people who don't want to be around anymore. So if your friend wants you to stay as you are, which means I'm guessing they don't have your best interests at heart, just a little guess there, then are they a friend? I suppose a friend of sorts, but are they actually a friend? Are they useful? Are they helping you? What do they give you? But then, then there's other things like if you've got a friend that you borrow money off and they keep giving you money and they don't expect you to pay it back and they keep giving you money, again, is that a friend? Or is it someone that you're using? Someone that you're taking advantage of. Someone that you class as weak and foolish and a mug. Then that's not a friend then, is it? So I guess we've all got our, our own ideas about what a friend is. But when it comes to addiction, whatever it might be, if it's someone that's drinking, <clears throat> they're sitting in a park, drinking out of cans or bottles, and, right, dog just started barking then. And... Yeah, what is a friend? That's a question. And I do wonder, like, what the answer is to that when it comes to addiction. How useful is it to be around people that all they're thinking about is doing a certain thing, you know, for example, getting high. How useful is it being around someone like that? And if you're wanting to move on and change your life and live with freedom, because let's face it, addiction is its not freedom, is it, at all? I know some people that go to prison I've heard of people to go to prison just to get themselves clean. They feel freer locked up in a cell than they do outside being addicted to drugs. So they'll go on a, you know, uh, a stealing frenzy or something stupid like that. So they, they go to prison for long enough, maybe six months, to get themselves clean but not, not do anything too serious. So they'll have to end up, you know, for a long time. Although, for, to me, six months is a long time. So I do wonder. And I realise that moving away from people and saying, basically, fuck off, keep away from me, is not an easy thing to do. I understand that. 
but kind of I mean it doesn't have to be that rough does it just step back but I think sometimes it's worth if you can be honest and just say look I'm not doing that stuff anymore I'm never going to do that stuff again and uh, that's it that is it you know and I don't want to be around anyone that does it ever again good luck with your life I wish you wish you all the best but I'm having nothing to do with you or anyone else that takes drugs or that drinks alcohol or whatever it is your addiction may be that's it I'm having nothing to do with those people anymore that's done I mean in a way you think about it if you work in an office in insurance whatever it might be and you leave and you might have spent years there and you, you're around people and you're friends with them maybe you go out drinking with them as well and you, you socialise and you leave the job you keep in contact of course you do because you're friends with them and the more often you meet them well it's, it's less often over time and then you begin to realise that you're not in tune with them anymore because they're talking about the job and when you first leave you can talk about the job and you can talk about the people that work there but three, four months later they're talking about people that you don't know who's who's Bob? oh he, he joined three months ago he's, uh, he's now the managing director and oh okay yeah and then he did this like you're not interested in what Bob did because you don't know who he is and bit by bit you can't add to the conversation because you're not there anymore you're not in that environment anymore and not always but I would say quite often you'd move away and you may never see any of them again hard to believe when you actually go to leave like oh, these are my best friends that commonality perhaps the only thing that you had in common was that you worked in the same building and you're breathing the same air so in the same way when you move away from the so-called friends that are doing the same stuff that you're doing or were doing this what, what what do you have in common because let's face it if you've got a friend and they you know they spend their life doing crack and maybe that's what you're doing as well at the moment or did you move on you decide you know you, you change your life in a year's time you might be in a loving relationship you might have a you know, new home uh, perhaps a new job uh, and you know planning for the future and you might meet up with that person you might even go for a coffee so like how you doing so yeah I'm great everything's you know I'm, I'm with uh, Bob now he's got a new job as a <laughs> director of an insurance company and is uh, yeah got a new house um, uh, Bob's got two kids so I'm kind of so that's that's been interesting um, 
I've taken up yoga and whatever, you know, and uh, got a new house, as I said, and uh, decided to do uh, to do the marathon. Um, what was it called? The Run for Life marathon thing, half marathon, and uh, also thinking about going back to university and finishing the degree that I started 15 years ago. Oh, so how you been? Oh, I spend all day getting crack, uh, just smoking crack, yeah. Uh, Still out there stealing, robbing, um, and doing anything I have to to, in order to smoke crack. Yeah. And nothing else happened different. Uh, Yeah, no, it's not all, yeah, other new things have happened. Okay, what? Well, I've got a new crack pipe. The other one broke. A couple of people got violent and everything had broken, you know, other than that. Um, okay. Oh, three or four of my friends have died. Uh, overdoses and that. But other than that, just normal stuff, really. Oh, okay. Yeah, we really should just do this again sometime. This has been wonderful. Yes. Um, we lose that common interest. We lose that. You know, I had a. I remember someone telling me once that they saw a friend of theirs that used to be into their lifestyle, and he met a woman, and she basically fell in love with her, and she told him that she'd have nothing to do with him if he was involved in that lifestyle anymore, and he chose her over that. And my friend saw him in the street, and he just ignored him. So that did upset him a bit, but. He, you know, he just, that's just the way it is. He, he said hello, but he didn't stop. He didn't ignore him, but he sort of just acknowledged him and then carried on walking. So, I think the choices we have to make in life are not always easy anyway. But if the choice lead you to freedom and maybe happiness and health then surely that's an easier choice to make because I'm guessing that anyone that's living the life of addiction has made many 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 harder choices than the average person would ever make in order to keep the uh, addiction going rather than to stop the addiction so it's harder to keep it going than to stop because of what people have to do to keep it going and I think the older you get the harder it gets as well because then all the physical complaints come in all the, the illnesses heart problems, lung problems all that stuff And then it becomes harder for anyone going through that. And then how do you stop doing it when it's the only thing that gives you any kind of pleasure, I guess, for someone that's really, really ill, physically ill. So the best time, if you can, is to stop it while you're physically fairly well, if you can.
still got time, still got life. And there's what, 8 billion people on the planet. Why get attached too much to just one person? I mean, it might sound a little bit, I don't know, blasé a little bit, ignorant a little bit, wooey-wooey, but it's just people, isn't it? And as in any office job or, you know, call centre job or any job, no one is irreplaceable. And in the drug world, another drag, drug addict can come along. And they will come along. There's always someone to replace. They never seem to run out. Um, I don't think the, the UK has ever run out of drug addicts. Never been a shortage. We've never had to import from other countries our drug addicts because we haven't had enough. Always had plenty. I'm sure it's the case in America as well and other countries. So it's you won't be missed from that world. And you can join the bigger world because you know that that world of addiction is tiny compared to the rest of the world. It's almost like moving out of a tiny, tiny, tiny little village and then realising, you know, didn't didn't know, didn't realise that there's a world out there. And you realise, wow, there's fields, there's trees, there's sky, there's sea. And all you were looking at was a, a mattress on a floor and a, a dirty spoon. And you just you know, hardly got any sunlight and just, you know, didn't didn't really see or do anything. And now you realise that life is what you want it to be. Not instantly, but it is what it what you want to be. And also we do choose what we do. You know? I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't choose what I do, I've got no choice. No, we all choose what we do in every minute and every day. It's very hard sometimes, extremely hard, but we do choose to do what we do. And this, there's some standard automatic behaviours, of course there is. Um, you know, when I'm making my breakfast, sometimes I'm not sure if I put sugar in my tea because I'm just, I'm just w moving on automatic but I've never automatically, there's certain things I've not done automatically, which do take a decision, you know. No one automatically shoplifts. It's a plan thing. So we choose what we do. And... I suppose if we can, I say we, all of us really in life, can move away from that, that need to blame others. 
It's their fault. I'm like this. And, you know, it's, in some ways it really makes sense if some, if some bad things have happened. It is their fault. So if someone hurts you, it's their fault that you were hurt because they did it. If someone trips you up, it's their fault that you fall over because they tripped you up as a like a, an example. But 20 years later, and maybe you're still limping because you, you really hurt your leg. If you're saying, well, it's their fault that I haven't got, you know, I've not got a girlfriend because I'm a limp. And I can't find anyone to love me because I'm a limp. And I can't, I can't do the job I want to do because I'm a limp. And I just wanted to be a tap dancer. Like, really? You wanted to be a tap dancer? There's not a lot of money in that, you know? I don't care. I love taps and I love dancing. Come on, let's move on. And it's just really, it gets to a point where you have to like cut it off and say, look, we're now in a different place now. It's just 20 years later. And yeah, you've got a limp and it was caused from that situation. And it was their fault that you got the limp. That's, you know. However, you not having been in a relationship will have a lot more to do with other aspects uh, like your behaviour, your attitude uh, and many, many other things because having a limp is, yeah, it's, uh, I've seen people who have been married, they've got limbs missing, they've got all kinds of, it's like, it's, Sometimes it could just be a case of being too fussy, saying like I've got, I've got, I've got this issue, but I only want to go out. You know, I don't know. It could be anything, but I can't get rid of this bloody dog. It keeps barking every time I talk. It's because someone's slamming the door downstairs, and he just he's reacting, which is fine. But it just does he have to do it when I'm doing these recordings? I mean. I lose my track of what I'm talking about when it happens. So I'm going to end the recording. So really, I don't know why she lets her door slam like that. It's weird. And just, it's something worth thinking about, that's all. And to be fair, I don't think it's really to do with addiction necessarily. It's just friends, what? Is someone really a friend? If they're putting you down, if they're being rude to you, if they're if they're trying to control you in some way, if they have an ulterior motive, if they're you know they want something from you, they want your money or they want to just they come around just because you got a big TV and they like your big TV. I've got a thing about big TVs today. I don't know what. You know, the amount of times people say, oh, is the boxing on? Oh, when is it on? Like, I don't know. 
but you're not coming in my you're not you're not watching it here. I don't want anyone in here when I'm watching boxing. Go away. Watch it on your own TV. Because I get distracted. What what happens is I talk. If someone else is in the room, I end up talking. And I don't get to watch the boxing. So I don't have anyone in the room when I'm watching telly or watching boxing. Or a movie or anything like that. It's my rule. Yeah. So I'm going to go. This might have just been a big pile of crap. So I do apologise. And I'm beginning to think maybe I should have just not done this podcast. Because I don't think it's. I'm not sure it's going to be of any use. To anyone. Um, but. If you want to make a change. Then make the change. If you can honestly say right. Okay. This is to anyone with in the mists mists in the midst or in the middle of like living in a, an addiction lifestyle if you can honestly say that you enjoy your life that this is how you want to live your life like really hand on heart this is how you want to live your life doing whatever you're doing then no one's really got a right to tell you to stop doing it, really. I mean, the law has, but, you know, generally, just do what you want to do. As long as you're not hurting anyone else. Although you probably are hurting other people, you know, generally. Because I've seen the pain and suffering that can happen when someone dies who's uh, living an addictive lifestyle. And it's, it doesn't even have to be from an overdose. It's just when someone is pushing away their family and friends because, you know, the, the family perhaps don't want to visit because they're around drug addicts and they don't want to be around that, which most people don't. So then... Their proper friends and family maybe don't visit as much as they did. And and then that person might die and everyone feels guilty. I could have done more, could have helped more. But they couldn't handle being around that and seeing the person that they love basically self-harming. Destroying their own life. Which, let's face it, is the most precious thing that we have. Yeah. But if you do, if you if you think and you think about this and you think, well, no, I don't like this. I don't want to. I don't want to be doing this anymore. I want to. I want to move on and live a a different life. Or I want to start living. want to start living then make that change get help go and get some professional help today or tomorrow whenever at the first opportunity that's my advice I mean this podcast anything I do 
is never it's just just uh, like a or a mild support for maybe helping someone who's getting professional help it's not instead of just asking for help can be hard but once you've done it once that's it it becomes easier so I'm going to end this recording take care of yourselves remember to be kind to yourself because you deserve to be happy and you can change whatever you've done in the past you can change everybody can change everyone I mean I hope to change I don't want to be like this I want to be I want to live a happy life one day so you know even though I'm not I'm not an addict I'm not I don't take drugs, I don't smoke uh, drugs, I don't drink alcohol, I don't really do anything hardly. I make podcasts, but it's a very lonely, cellular, cellular? That's not a proper word, is it? Uh, solitudinal. Very, yeah, it's, there's things have to change. And I think that's just normal. We have to change, life has to change constantly. So you can never really get comfortable in any position because to me it's like a comfortable chair. It's like a chair in a waiting room, a doctor's waiting room or an accident emergency in hospital. doesn't matter how comfortable the chair is, eventually it becomes uncomfortable because you're waiting for too long. You know, it's uh, nowadays at the A&E in the UK, you're probably looking at like 12 hours, 11, 12 hours um, being in there. Now, it doesn't matter how comfortable the chair is. Even if you had a chair like that at home and you watch TV in it. After a few hours, it becomes very uncomfortable. And that's what comfort does. Comfort can become uncomfortable. And you have to move. Physically, in the case of the chair. Move around, walk around for a little bit. And then maybe go and sit down in the chair and it's comfortable again. Basically get some blood circulation to your buttocks. So, even comfort can become uncomfortable and I know not everyone well no one likes being uncomfortable but it's normal being uncomfortable is normal it's like gas you know it's like farting or burping or needing to go to the toilet or needing to blow our nose or whatever it's just a normal natural thing Sometimes feeling uncomfortable is just standard part of being alive. Sometimes feeling upset is just a standard thing in life. And the idea that we just have to remove all that. I know I'll smoke this thing or inject this thing or take this tablet and I won't feel any of that pain. It's not realistic. 
my I've got an analogy for this is if you allow the pain just to occur as it happens naturally whether it's emotional physical whatever it doesn't feel as bad as it does if you try to keep it away if you try to hold it back try to ignore it try to distract yourself from it because when it does come back it's stronger is because it's very much like standing on a hose pipe and even if the hose pipe is just dripping you know from the tap it's just a drip 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 after a certain amount of time it could be hours hours and hours the pressure will be so much you'll feel it under your foot and when you take your foot off it squirts and it's like an avalanche almost or a really strong hose and that's what feelings can be like when you try and repress them and then when they do eventually are allowed out it really hurts because there's a lot of them but if you allow them just to flow naturally some are worse than others admittedly but none of them will be as bad as the ones that you repress the ones that you try and hold off because that pain is just be too much but once you let it out everything that follows will just be a drip right I'm going now Bye.